We're in 1 Timothy chapter 3, down to 14. Let's read 14 and 15. I am writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. But in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how you ought to conduct himself, or one should conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. So he's writing, he expected to write them briefly because he was going to elaborate more when he came. So he wanted to cover a few things before then. But he was hoping to visit them shortly. And so he tells us here, he wants you to know how to conduct yourselves. He's mainly addressing the overseers and the leaders and the mature ones of the church. He that is in Christ is in the household of God where two and three or more are gathered in Christ's name to pray, to worship, to expound on the word of God, Christ is more manifested. His presence seems to be revealed more in a true gathering. Those in the house of God are of the temple of the Holy Spirit. He dwells in them, the living God. So as a pillar and support, the church is that, by Christ being in them, and by the maturity of the leadership of the church. If your gathering has no mature leaders, there is no church. There is no lampstand. If there's not two or three who are overseers capable of teaching sound doctrine and understanding it, you do not have a church. You can have uh, people gather together and talk, but there is not functioning as a lampstand. It means the city, the city's light on the hill has gone out there, and it's getting darker and darker. It's going to be left more to the candlesticks when we get to the time of the Antichrist, okay? And we're nearing. So all of the church, the body is the habitation, the true body of Christ is called the church, the gathering, okay? And the mysteries of the Old Testament covenants the ceremonies, the rituals, the parables and symbols uh, that were given to the prophets are revealed uh, through the mature ones by the Spirit. They are now revealed. They were called mysteries. And when Paul uses that word, it means something that was not revealed plainly or was not spoken of. For instance, the upgathering, the rapture is not mentioned. That is the new thing that Paul expounds on and explains to people about. When he was given great revelation and he was given the stake in the flesh to keep him humble, he said, because I shall come to great revelations, more revelations, and to keep him humble, he was given more than the other apostles as far as revelation. He understood the old. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He's very intellectual mentally. And the Lord decided to use him. Moses was brilliant, and the Lord decided to use him. But as Paul said later, look at your Christian calling. There are not many intellectuals. There are not many rich. There are not many powerful. For God has chosen what the world considers foolish. He don't need that. And most of them cannot come down and humble themselves, so they get nothing from the Lord. Jesus himself, speaking of the Pharisees and the scribes, we gave them certain things and they were offended. Now, Peter said, I think you've offended them. 
and he's to leave them alone. If the blind lead the blind, they'll both fall in the ditch. And then he said, Father, I thank you, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hid these things from the wise, the intellectuals, and the brilliant, and you revealed them to the common people, the simple. So spiritual truths and revelation are not by intellect. That's very small. And that's why many intellectuals and brilliant will not come to the Lord, and they cannot move in the Lord. God does not need their brilliance in this world. So studying the Bible, excuse me, does not make a person spiritual. I know people quote the scripture, read it a hundred times, and they're living in gross sin. And yet they think they're Christians. They're false. They're deceived. They can know certain doctrines and the basics, but it don't make them spiritual. They don't follow the Lord. They're not spiritual. Uh-huh. And they're hypocrites. And we know what the Lord said. They shall receive the greater damnation. The hypocrite, the false teachers, they're going to get the worst because of their wickedness and deceiving souls who actually deserve to be deceived. God allows the heretics to come to test the true ones, to see where they're at. So people are not going to be able to blame things on their ministers and teachers. God's going to hold them accountable. And so he wants them to understand the mysteries that are given to us now. And the mystery of the kingdoms and what the Lord's talking about here, we'll go quickly to Ephesians. So he's telling us how you're to conduct yourself in the gatherings. Supposed to be overseers, more than one we call pastor or shepherd and, and teacher, administrator. There was always more than one. There wasn't this idea of just one person standing up at a pulpit because those who had prophetic ministries, they had to judge what others were saying. They just didn't take everything for face value. That's how people are deceived. They get caught up in silliness when they don't examine it. Like the Bereans did, when they heard things, they went and examined these things to see if they could find a proof or the confirmation in the Old Testament, which they did. So the overseers, the teachers, the elders of the groups, of the small groups that came together, they were eventually, the Lord was moving already, and he had the fivefold ministries, and that was to help this. That was to mature the Christians so they could comprehend what mysteries had been revealed what the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, wanted revealed. Jesus told the apostles, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. They had no real concept that the gospel and everything was to be offered to every Gentile. It took them six or eight years before Peter was sent to Cornelius and told to go eat with them. And, and he said, I'm a good Jew. I've never eaten anything unclean. And the Lord said, now I've cleansed it, so don't you call it unclean. So they were going to have the same standing, equal, with what the Jews had, and actually better under the new covenant. So in Christ, there's no Jew or Gentile, male or female, in their spirit. Now, as far as authority, that's different. Women are given a lesser authority, and that's God's purpose, what he wants to do. Don't matter how spiritual they are. So women think they can be pastors and shepherds and overseers. Scripture forbids them to rule over men. So they have to twist a lot of Scripture to wiggle around this. They need to understand God's 
calling. Some people are called to be apostles and prophets. Everybody was not. And they had more authority over the others. Didn't matter what the others thought or how spiritual they were. That's God's calling and gifting to them. But look at Ephesians 4.11. And so when he sent the Spirit at Pentecost and he began to build on the cornerstone himself and the body of Christ, uh, he appointed certain ministries as gifts and persons. Sometimes not they were the gifts, given gifts. And he gave some to be apostles, 11, some prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The pastors would be the overseers, shepherds, what we call the leaders today. But that's how it was. And what was their purpose? For equipping the saints, the believers, the disciples, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of body of Christ. Their purpose is to mature the disciples, those who come to the Lord, the babes, the novices, that they grow up and become mature and able to discern spiritual things, not in knowledge, not just in head knowledge, that's small, that they can be learned to follow the Lord and be led of the Spirit and understand spiritual warfare. That's what he's talking about. So that was the main purpose of these fivefold ministries. They were all based on teaching. Every one of them had to be gifted teachers. The problem today is you have all these evangelists that don't know the Word of God. They have no business doing anything. They're not called. They've not been gifted. They cannot rightly handle the Word of God nor communicate it properly. Man might recognize them, but God doesn't. So people lay hands on them, and they're laying empty hands on empty heads because God ain't with it. He's not interested in it, okay? So these gifts are the Holy Spirit moving through them to help the people that they're ministering to. And how long will it go on? Oh, well, the heretics tell us, and the false lot of Christianity, well, that's finished when the Spirit came. And when everything ended with the apostles, then they ceased. Well, it didn't say that. It says, until we come to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. Well, has that happened? No. Most true Christians aren't there yet. They're novices and babes, and they're being matured. But they're not mature enough for ministry and to be guided They still have to drink the milk of the word and grow. So that will happen until the Lord returns. It will not cease. As long as their souls being saved and maturing, these ministries will always be needed. Okay. And the reason, 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of teaching or doctrine, by people who trickery, men that deceive, and cunning craftiness, which they wait to deceive. A lot of this is once saved, always saved. Eternal security, ultra prosperity. Those are the kind of things they're teaching. Foolishness, a lot of new age stuff they're mixing with Christianity. And he said, that's why true doctrine, true teaching, if you've matured in the Lord, you're able to catch these things. You're able to discern these things and not be taken by these things. But until you're grounded, you have to get in the Word, and the Holy Spirit has to enlighten you 
And the reason he doesn't enlighten many of these novices and babes, and some of them go back and some don't go on, because they purposely disobey the Lord and refuse to obey what he's told them to do. So if they're not going to follow the Lord and his word and be led of the Spirit, they get nothing from God. They will be deceived. So it's not head knowledge. Like I say, I've seen many people can quote scripture better than I ever could, and they're not saved, or they're backslidden. Oh, and they can give a good word sometime, but they don't have the life in them because they're living in gross sin, and they're not following the Lord. Therefore, grace has been forfeited. They're a branch that doesn't bear the fruit the Lord wants. He cuts them off the Father and cast them aside. But they were once in him, but they refused to grow and bear fruit. Somewhere along the line, they wanted the pleasures of sin and, and like the sinful world, they wanted to find their own way and do their own thing, and they hoped God would rubber stamp it. But he won't. They will be deceived in the end, and they will be speechless at the day of judgment when they're cast into the lake of fire. Okay? But 15, but we'll be able, the mature ones, speaking the truth in love, and we may all grow up in Christ, who is the head. And so he wants this. They'll all work together, the spiritually mature ones. So from the whole body, joined and knit together by every joint, what it supplies, according to the working, and that's the Holy Spirit, by which every part does its share, its ministry, its calling. It causes the growth of the body for edifying itself in love. He's not talking about numbers now. He's talking about maturity, that they'll build up, that they'll understand sound teaching, which is sound doctrine. Until a person matures in the Lord, he's not useful to the kingdom. Until he understands spiritual warfare and how to listen to the Lord and be led of the Spirit, he's not, he's not useful. He's a babe. He has to grow. He's not useful for the kingdom. Hebrews says, until you're able to discern between good and evil, you're still a babe. And he warned them that they were falling back into that state in Hebrews. And he warned them what to do about it. So the fivefold ministry is still in effect. Oh, it's getting narrower and narrower, and God withdraws ministries as punishment. And as the world gets darker, we're going to see less openly manifestations of the Lord. He's going to send a strong delusion eventually, because they do not want the truth. And that's going to be ripe for the Antichrist to come. But the candles can go on, even when these other ministries are not. The individual can be matured, it just takes harder, and it's longer, and he has to pray and seek the Lord more, as Noah and Lot did. And that's how it's going to be in those days. Well, look at Lot. He was the only one that was righteous before the Lord. And it said the wickedness vexed his righteous soul. He didn't have no fellowship. He was a candle by himself. And the Lord said that's how it's going to be toward the end. And it has to get darker and darker to make it ripe for the appearance of the false prophet and the Antichrist. But getting back to the ministry here, these five-fold ministries were to bring together the Christ, the Christ church, and reveal Christ 
through the church or the gathering, that there would be order, how to conduct your health, everything to be done properly, and the checks and balances. And we have a symbol in the Old Testament. When the tabernacle was built inside the temple, the Holy of Holies, it was about 25 feet cubed, like, and it was made of wood, a special wood that was covered with gold in and out, and the symbol being the wood, humanity, and the gold divine. It represented the body of Christ and who he was. And they had five bars that surrounded it and kept them vertical, these boards. And there were two at the top, one in the middle, and two at the bottom. And many believe that's the apostle, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. They keep the church, the boards, the members together. They keep them from rubbing and friction. They bring them into maturity. So again, we'll constantly need this. Paul was talking in the beginning. When Jesus said, he said, the the harvest is white and the laborers are few. That was the beginning. We're at the end where they're not harvesting much and it's getting darker and darker. And not only the people, which he's going to reveal, they're not interested in spiritual things. They don't want to hear these things. And it shows that they turn their ears from it. They're rejecting it. And so we're on the other side when it's going to get darker and darker until the Lord comes for his own and judges the wickedness of the world. 16. But by common confession or acceptance, great is the mystery of godliness. Okay? He was revealed in the flesh. He was vindicated in the spirit. He was seen by angels. He's proclaimed among the nations. He's believed on in the world, and he's taken up to glory. He's covering the basic things of the Christian foundations that Hebrews talks about and Paul talks about in other areas. So he's saying it's to be understood the callings and the Christian ministries, they are to comprehend, all mature Christians are to comprehend this. How can they teach and understand these things if they don't? Well, most don't who are doing the teachings. Most of them aren't even Christians. It's the mystery of godliness. And what was part of that? Christ in us. He was the divine nature taking on human the human nature, and still having the divine. He was the son of man and the son of God. But he limited himself. He emptied himself and took on the human nature. And then when he was died and on the cross, when he said it's finished, his life was given up, he was resurrected and eventually ascended and returned to the full use of his Godhead. He was the divine one. People forget that. Jesus was Jehovah the Savior, part of divine nature. Isaiah says he's the Prince of Peace, the Eternal Father, the Almighty God. He's still that. Uh But on earth, he was limited because he was given a human body. Jesus said, as the Father has life in himself, so he has given the Son. He's referring to the Son of Man. His humanity was given a separate life as a human, from God himself. And yet they are combined and united 
and mysteries we don't understand no more than we completely understand what people call the Trinity or the three in one. But he is divine and the worlds were made by him and everything was sustained by the word of Christ, okay? Before he came to be a human and accomplish the plans of God for fallen mankind. So we are seeing this, this mystery, the new covenant brought in through the apostles and New Testament prophets, the complete foundation, Jesus Christ being the cornerstone and everything's built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets. And what he's telling us is there's no new messages, anybody coming with new teaching and doctrines or heresy. There is nothing new. There's no popery. There's no added Christianity. There's no Mormonism and things like that. These are heresies. Everything has to be built on what has been laid. There is nothing new. Now, it's new to people who are not mature. And as they come to the Lord, these things are new to us. And as we study them, they're revealed in a deeper insight as we mature in the Lord. But basically, everything was done. And everything was laid through the foundation of the 12 apostles, the other later on apostles and prophets that completed the word of God, John being the last. Even when the Lord was speaking to one of the churches through prophecy in the book of Revelation, it said you tested these people who claimed to be apostles and found them to be false. Well, John was the last if you want to call him the church father, he was the last one. There were no new revelations after him. Everything was built. And that's why he lasted longer than everybody else until the foundation and scripture was finally completed. And after that, there are no, I know in the second, third century, they'd call them church fathers. Most of them were heretics. And then in the third and fourth, it came to be known as we know, the Roman Catholic heresies adding all of these things to the foolishness and have no basis in Scripture, okay? So all teaching today must be built on the foundation, and it's already been revealed. What is going to be revealed has been revealed. There is not going to be anything new. The only thing that's going to be new to people in the last generation Daniel tells us certain things are going to happen, and he asked to explain it, and he was told to go your way, that the people at that time would understand. So right when the Antichrist comes, there'll be certain things revealed to that generation that'll make more sense than people who've not lived in it. They will experience these things. But there'll be no new doctrines, no new epistles, no new apostles and prophets, that will not happen. If you hear that, you're hearing heresy is what you're hearing. So Christ in the flesh was part of the mystery of godliness. The Word made flesh. The Word was and is God, okay? That's before he took on the human nature. So God takes on the human life and he said, the Father has life in himself, and he's given it to me as a man to have life in himself, okay? He was the Son of Man. He was the Son of God. Even now, he sustains his earthly nature, his human nature as high priest. 
when it refers to him as standing before the Father and interceding for us, it emphasizes his humanity. But he's still God at the same time. So we see the dual in who he is, okay? So he's ordering things and undoing basically what Adam did and destroyed and marred in the beginning. He's the second Adam, the other Adam. So when God sent him, part of the mystery was he would take on the human nature without the original sin, without sin's influence in his being that happens to all humans who are born through Adam and Eve. They have this magnetic drawing, and God did not say he expected perfection. He expected them to overcome and resist these things and gave them the ability under each covenant to do it or that their sins could be forgiven by sacrifice and confession and at times punishment. So he recognized that. But for a person to be a perfect sacrifice and acceptable, uh, he could not have this in him, this sin nature. And so the sin is called the sin of Adam. It is not called the sin of Eve. God holds Adam responsible. Eve was tricked and deceived And she shouldn't have debated with the serpent without Adam present if she had questions. Adam ate because she gave it to him, and he knew exactly what he was doing, and he was held accountable. So it's the sin of Adam. And that was one of the reasons uh, the woman was not allowed to rule over men. We'll see the process that God has his ways of placing people where he wants them. And he's given authority to certain people, nations, and that's his business to do what he wants to do in these things. So again, he takes on the nature. He's able to live as a man, completely yielded to the Holy Spirit. Now, when Jesus was baptized by John, and John saw the Spirit come on him like a dove, he was not acting in divine capacity. His whole life, he acted as a prophet, a teacher, and a servant, yielded to the Holy Spirit. That's why he was baptized. And it said the Spirit came on him and remained. Did not do that in the Old Covenant. He moved on people, and then he lifted. He did not dwell in them in the relationship that the Christian has. But he remained completely with Jesus. And he said, the Father's always with me. But Jesus had to exercise his will, and he did not live by his divine nature. He had to be an obedient servant and be tempted and tested in areas and overcome. And then when he was sacrificed, he was a pure, holy, harmless, undefiled. There was no sin in him. He lived a life of complete obedience. And so he was ready to be the sacrifice to represent man sinful man, he took on the punishment for them. And when he sat on the cross right before he died, it is finished. He had completed God's ministry, revealing his plan of salvation. He was the sacrifice, the pure sacrifice that was acceptable. And he had to do all of this as a man yielded to the Holy Spirit. So when people say, well, he was God, he could not act in that capacity. That's what the devil tried to get him to do. If you're the son of God, 
make these stones bread. Well, he has fasted for 40 days and he was on the verge of starving. And he knew he could speak that word and use his divinity apart from the Father's will. But it would have been disobedience and he would not have completed God's plan. And he knew that. But the temptation was very great if he's starving to death and he wants to eat. So he must have got a word from the Father, you cannot eat until I tell you you can. So he may have expected to drop dead and God resurrect him. Abraham had the same faith when he offered Isaac. He knew somehow God had promised to do things to Isaac. So in his mind, he figured if he sacrifices him, then God will have to raise him out of the ashes to keep his word. So evidently, Abraham did have great faith, but he was willing to do this. And so Jesus was most likely given a word, you're not to eat until I tell you to. And it's interesting, once he overcame those temptations, those main ones, he did not use his divinity to make bread. Angels came and ministered to him. They fed him. They provided for his weak body and for his food. So he still did not and could not use his divinity. Uh, only a few occasions in his life uh, when the Father glorified him, the revealed things. But all of his miracles, his healings, everything were done by the baptism of the Spirit. He said, as I see the Father work, I work. He separates himself there to show that he's not acting as he's God himself, he's the man, servant, yielded to the Holy Spirit. So he's given an example of what God wanted him to do. Live the life perfectly, not sin, be obedient, and then be ready to give up your life for my purposes. And he said, no one takes my life from me, I give it up. So he had the right to do that, and he exercised that right. Okay, so he knew when he said it's finished, he had completed God's plans for the redemption and the glorification of the body of Christ, that he had completed these things. Okay, so part of this mystery of godliness, again, doing and undoing things that Adam had done in the beginning, the corruption. So he had no original sin. Sin, according to the law, went through the male. So it was the sin of Adam. But he could use the woman and her human nature because legally the sin went through the male. And so that's why he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He did not have a human male father. It was God, the Holy Spirit. But his humanity was taken through the woman. She brought forth, and sin was not held accountable the original sin, under the law. And so it did not pass into Jesus. He was the second Adam. He had to be put in a position as Adam was, and originally that was with no sin. And then he had to be tested as Adam and overcome. And his wasn't just a test of don't eat this piece of fruit. He had to live 30-some years every day being obedient and being led of the Spirit, and never sinning. And so that is a marvelous in itself. And he had to do it by choice. 
It was not always automatic with him, okay? And so we see then, when he said it's finished, he was the prophet and teacher and savior. Then he became the sacrifice. And he did this so man that came to him could have fellowship with him by the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, being partakers of the divine nature, what we call the body of Christ, okay? And so they are the household, the temple of God, as under the old covenant, they had the tabernacle and the temple, and it was separate, separate. But in the new, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that's why Jesus said, the least in the kingdom of heaven, those who are born again, and the Spirit of Christ indwells them, are greater in ministry and relationship than anybody under the old covenant. And John was considered one of the greatest of the prophets. And we think of Moses and Abraham and some of these other. God was saying to the least, the least, the nobody that nobody knows, he has a better privileges and understanding as he matures than any of them did. Because the Spirit did not indwell them in the way he did in a new covenant. He comes and dwells in us in a full way, the fullness of the Godhead. Now, God is everywhere. So even the wicked, God sustains their very life. They cannot get away from him. But he's not in fellowship with them. That's what means they are spiritually dead. He does not have covenant with them, a relationship. They're under the wrath of God. But his good will and nature wants them to come to him, repent, and be a part of his kingdom. So God is everywhere, but he's only in the Christian in a special relationship that the world does not have nor cannot have. Okay, It's believed even the lake of fire is God's presence of wrath and anger. He told the Hebrews, serve God with reverence and godly fear. He said, for our God is a consuming fire. And that scripture was quoted out of Moses when he said, if you go after other gods and idols, I will consume you. So there is no place God is not. Those cast into the lake of fire, it's called outer darkness. But they still cannot get away from God. They will experience his judgment and wrath of holiness when those who love the Lord will have a special relationship throughout eternity with him. It says we are the sons of God, but it does not yet appear what we shall be. So when the mortal puts on immortality, Jesus says you'll be like angels. And they have a special relationship that did not fall. They're always aware of God's presence. They don't have to be in some physical location. Because God is everywhere, they're tuned to him. And wherever they go and whatever they do, they're still aware of the fullness of God's presence. Okay? So we see then that he accomplished these things, said angels saw these things, angels witnessed these things. They were preached the gospel by the apostles and evangelists to the nations. They've been doing that. And they've been believed on by... Some, we will say in comparison, there'll be many in numbers, but in comparison to the lost, it's going to be few. 
They will come to the Lord through repentance and confession of sin and take on the life of Christ. He is the Son of Man, the Savior for us. Uh And then they witnessed him being taken up to glory. The Bible says there were 500 witnesses chosen of God. There were no sinners there. Isn't that astounding? God's not trying to convince sinners of things like that. People say, well, if I see a sign, and Jesus said, a wicked generation. The Pharisees tried, and he told them, you'll die in your sins. You don't know me. See, he only reveals and sometimes gives signs and wonders to those who believe and those who follow him. He has nothing to prove to the wicked. It says the wrath of God remains on them. His indignation and anger toward their wickedness is still there. It's not separated. And so we need to understand that God chose 500. They were the apostles and disciples and those who had followed him. And they all saw Jesus ascend in the cloud. And the angels testified to this. Oh, God could have appeared to the whole nation. He did under Israel's time and Moses' time. He appeared in limited form. And it scared them to death. (laughs) And they asked Moses, don't let him, tell him not to come that way. He'll talk to you and we'll listen. And he scared them. And the Lord said to Moses, I purposely caused them to fear, so they'll fear not to sin against me. He knew the human nature. And he knew what they needed to know. And so the law did have a certain fear. And Hebrews said, you are to serve God with respect and fear, for your God is a consuming fire. It means if you turn away from him, he'll turn away from you. There is no eternal security. There is no irresistible grace. These are lying gospels. Uh-huh. 60-some percent of the whole Bible speaks of staying with God and not turning away. And people, they forget those ones. They just speak of one or two scriptures about the love of God, and they don't know what they're talking about. Let's take a break here.